Welcome back to the podcast, folks. This is Big Dudes in the Trenches. I just, before we get anywhere, I want to say I'm so glad we're not a fantasy football podcast. Because if we were, my advice would be the worst of anyone's in the world. Jeez, dude, I cannot win a game to save my life. You know, like (laughs) I, I can't do good in all my leagues at the same time. I started out like seven and one, seven and two, and I'm on like a three game losing streak right now. Like it's not. Like right coming up to the playoffs, I'm like, man, if I miss the playoffs, I'm gonna be so in, in my big money league too. I'm gonna be pissed. See, we had a free league the last two years. I won it the first year, runner up the next year. Now we're doing a paid league. I'm dead last. Perfect, love it. So <laughs> I'm <good>. so <laughs> I'm surprised you're behind me in that one because I like I, I put all my focus into my other big money league and. <laughs> Man, anyway, we have some real football to talk about, which, you know, that's what we do on this show, talk about some real football. So I am Doug, this is Bug over here. Tug is not with us today, for some work reason, probably. Uh, You know, it's been happening. (laughs) Crazy, crazy work schedules. Yeah, we'll figure out eventually, I guess. But we got some news to get to. Uh, Not much in the way of NFL, but certainly some college news still. Not going to be as long on the news as last one, though. That was a huge discussion on several job openings. It was, uh, was very entertaining for me listening after the fact. <laughs> I, won't, I won't lie about that. But uh, one of those jobs we talked about just opening has been filled, so some good stuff to get to. And then, man, this week is championship week, dude. We have all of the conference championships. We have round two of the FCS playoffs. Oh, yeah, and the NFL is still happening. We need to get back to picking some games for that. <laughs> I, I will say, not, you know, I'll spoil it a little bit, but you might have won the regular season college football, but I think I might beat you in this head-to-head in the conference championships, and I'm definitely looking to steal your thunder come uh, bowl season here. Well, I know you're going to beat me in the NFL regular season, so you at least have that going. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go ahead and jump into the first bit of this news. Uh, man, NFL. Not a lot is happening, like I said. So, Antonio Brown suspended. I don't even really understand what happened. Can you fill me in? Yeah, so, you know, if if there was more NFL news, I think we should clarify. With with John's work schedule, you know, you're more of a college guy. I'm not going to knock you for it. And I'm in the middle of moving. I'm actually, I'm out of friend's house recording in one of his extra bedrooms right now. (laughs) Nice. Everything to get it done, right? But... You know, there there had been some uh, some dust ups, some some rumors about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what was going on there as far as COVID, and it turns out some of them were true because Antonio Brown has been suspended for providing a fake COVID card. Uh, he's the biggest name on this list, three games, and uh, there's another Buccaneers player, safety Mike Edwards. He's also been suspended. And then because the NFL PA makes so much sense, they suspended a free agent. And that free agent is John Franklin III, which the only reason I'm even bringing that up is he is a last chance you alum. So maybe a few people will recognize the name there. I, it's, I don't know. got the Aaron Rodgers treatment. Well, that's the thing. So that's, that's really the big debate, right? Is Aaron Rodgers was honest, but he was deceitful and he didn't do anything illegal. Antonio Brown, Mike Edwards, John Franklin III, providing fake COVID cards. I'm assuming Mike Edwards and John Franklin III, that's what they did as well. 
uh, but providing fake COVID cards, I think, is actually a felony. I think so. I think nice. I saw somebody say that. So uh, the fact that they're getting off with just a suspension, and there could be more ramifications to come later from this as well. Uh, but with it starting there, like it, it makes sense. Uh, kind of shameful to see, honestly. But you know, what are you gonna do? I, it, you know, we talked about fantasy football to open this too, and it, it became a discussion. Do you allow suspended players on the IR? And it's it's a very interesting discussion for one of my leagues, and uh, we don't have that as a rule. And unfortunately, I think, I think the real answer there is to just never draft Antonio Brown. I think that's also true. You should, and he he's sitting there, he's like, oh, you know, you take that risk with Antonio Brown, blah blah blah. But like, what if Tom Brady got mixed up in this? It's like, look, well, he didn't and isn't going to. So, yeah, yeah. nice point there, bud. But. <laughs> But, yeah, not really much else has happened in the NFL, though. That's why we're spending so much time on this. Weird week. It feels like it feels like the entire media is more focused on college football right now, which I do understand because it's championship week and the playoff is coming up and the FCS playoffs are happening. So, I mean, there's a lot to talk about there. But the NFL is still going on, and so are these other leagues. Now, I did see that the XFL and CFL partnership kind of went away, kind of dissolved. Canadian Football League said they're not really going to pursue any combination effort anymore. But that did not deter the XFL in the slightest. They still got things in the works, man. What do you know? So the big news coming out of the XFL right now, and we talked about it with the USFL, but there's – not been a lot on the front as far as how are they going to provide players? Where are they going to get players from? The XFL has come out and said already that they're going to have their XFL combine in spring of 2022, specifically June 18th of 2022. My birthday. Hey, you want to go try out? (laughs) Not particularly. (laughs) So they're going to have their combines then. Uh, Camps will be in January of 2023 January 8th officially and then teams will start playing in February February 18th 2023 and they'll finish it looks like championship game is going to be around Cinco de Mayo Tug's birthday so it's it's quite fitting that this is uh these are kind of the dates that they've picked here so far uh you know another interesting thing from the XFL. They they had their meeting, they put pictures out, and you know, they had they had the mannequins in the uniforms with the helmets, the whole nine, right? They only had seven teams. You wanna take a guess which one was missing? I'm gonna guess Houston. The Houston Roughnecks. So I don't know exactly what is going on there. I there hasn't been any word one way or another if they're going to have a team in Houston still. There hasn't been word on if they're looking at maybe just starting a new team somewhere else, moving Houston, what all that's going to be. I expect that we'll see that in the years to come, or not years, weeks to come. Well, that but was right the now, lawsuit, right, was the Houston yes. Roughnecks logo was yes. too similar to the Houston Oilers. I don't know if moving the team would help you. It's just you need a new team name and logo yes, right yes uh, they're at, but that's where that's where the curiosity comes in is they don't even have 
like a, an XFL jersey that said Houston on it or anything like that. Which that's I think at that point you're definitely looking too much into it. Yeah, but at the same time, who knows, right? See what happens. Maybe there's only seven teams. That'd be weird for That'd scheduling purposes. Weird. That'd be actually brutal. Uh, one team on a bye every week. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, with the XFL finishing in May, and then we'd still have a couple weeks of the USFL, assuming they get a second season. I don't want to, you know, count my chickens before they hatch on this at all. Been burned by uh, spring leagues too many times in the past. Uh, you know, it'd be a great time for football, and you're gonna have the SCF going on at the same time, which is just a different flavor. I don't know what I'm gonna watch, honestly. I'm sure you're going to watch as much of it as you can, whatever way you can. So that's probably the real answer. So a little little bit of college news to get through here, just a little bit. Do you want to start with the player news? Uh, I know we talked about some guys leaving Oklahoma, going to head out to USC with like a Riley, you know, all these different transfers going on. Michigan State got another transfer running back, somebody trying to, following the footsteps of Kenneth Walker III, I guess. Uh, one big name transferring is four-year starter for Nebraska. Adrian Martinez is leaving the program as a graduate transfer. No word on where he's headed yet. No word on who's even really interested just yet. But you don't just transfer as a four-year starter. There has to be a bigger story here, right? No way he was just pushed out of the program, right? I mean, that's that feels really rough. But also, if you watch Nebraska play, that defense was not the reason they lost all these games. Uh, how much of it do you put on Adrian Martinez? Is he a good quarterback? No idea. It does feel good to get a fresh start for him. At the same time, wow, why are you leaving the program? as a four-year starter. Wild. I, I, you said it earlier. Baby Scott Frost said, hey, you need to go. <laughs> and I, I can't say that I disagree with that thought process because it doesn't make sense, right? We, we all kind of said Adrian Martinez was Scott Frost's guy. He was Scott Frost's right. project, kind of like Mackenzie Milton was, uh, and then the quarterback before him. I can't think of it. It might have still been Milton, honestly. Uh, I, it's just it. I don't know that Martinez had the pieces around him, and if Scott Frost can't find somebody at least as talented as Adrian Martinez, and we've talked about it before, he was the only thing Nebraska had going for them a lot of the time. And if he can't find something as good to replace him, Nebraska might be looking for a new coach here in the next year or two. I would say that's equal parts true and not true what you just said though adrian martinez is talented but also so inconsistent that it might be beneficial for nebraska that he's leaving seriously the way that offense was performing at times it felt like it was just starting to get momentum he would throw an interception or he would fumble right there were a lot of ball security issues there he's still very talented you're absolutely right about that though Interesting to see where he goes. I have seen Northwestern thrown out as a possibility. Not sure if Nebraska would allow that. I think they do have a say in it as fellow members of the division with Northwestern. No idea, though. He could be 
don't think anywhere. I think he's from California, so potential, you know, Pac-12 move could make some sense. We'll we'll have to see. And I guess for the coaches, we will start off with the bad news and head towards the good news. So bad news first: Colorado State has fired Steve Adazio. This feels kind of rough and sudden. Only there for two years, but he did only win four games in those two years. So really <sighs> understandable. At the Brutal. same time, at the same time, I will say Colorado State was really bad when he got there. And two years is not very much time, especially one of those being the COVID season. <laughs> not very much time to rebuild a program. So we saw what he was able to do at Boston College. He was there for several seasons. Made them respectable enough. They were always in contention for a bowl game. It is really hard to do much more than that at Boston College. Jeff Halfley got a huge extension for appearing like something better might happen, right? It, they've still finished six and six, and he got a huge extension. So Steve Adazio had that kind of success at Boston College. Kind of wore thin. They wanted to move on. He goes to Colorado State, gets canned after two years. It's, it's really rough. Where do you think he could end up, and where do you think Colorado State goes from here? I have no clue where Colorado State goes from here. And, you know, I kind of want to start there because firing a coach after two years and one of them being the COVID year, and there were, you know, there's still recruiting restrictions this past offseason. That's rough. Who's going to want to do that? Who's going to want to risk something like that to go out there? So I, Colorado State, I think, needs to understand who and what they are. And needs to take a step back and calm down because they're they're not going to get any big names. I don't think it, it's it might be an internal promotion if they don't fire his whole staff. I, I I don't see them getting a big name out of this. So I will say one name that's inevitably going to come up for this job is Ohio State running backs coach Tony Alford, former player at Colorado State, was an assistant there for a little while, and especially after this past season. The recruiting work he's been able to do, bringing in a five-star and a four-star running back last cycle, that five-star turning out to be Travion Henderson, who broke the freshman record for touchdowns in a season at Ohio State. Tony Alford has proven to be pretty good at his job. He has been thrown out for Colorado State's head coaching position in the past. It would be a pretty big step up from a position group to the head coaching job, but not saying it hasn't happened before. I mean, Steve Adazio himself was offensive line coach to head coach. Same with, you know, what Arkansas was just able to hire. So that one worked out pretty good so far. We'll see. Tony Alford has been mentioned for them in the past, like I said. So I wanted to throw that out there. Everything else has to be on the table, though. Internal promotion feels possible, but also only winning four games in the last two years. Rough. I doubt you're too excited about anybody you have on the staff right now. Yep. I and, and the reason I kind of want to answer where I think he might go next is because it kind of ties in with our next story. I could see him going to Virginia where Brocko Mendenhall just resigned. That would be almost like a promotion, though, after getting only four wins in two years. We'll see what happens. Brocko Mendenhall, though, did just out of nowhere resign today as we're recording this, from the University of Virginia. Had them bowl eligible every season he was there the last six years. Really, they weren't bowl eligible before then since, like, 2001, I think the stat was. 
really incredible the work he was able to do at Virginia. And he did it for six straight years. He's 55 years old, said, I'm kind of tired of coaching. So no idea what's next for Bronco Mendenhall. I guess maybe take a couple years off. Maybe look at just straight up retiring at 55. Wouldn't be too bad. I would understand. With the money, the, yeah, with the money these college coaches are making. Absolutely. But also, how good of a job is University of Virginia? So that's the thing. I think he, this kind of is a knock for Adazio being able to get this job because they have built something there. They built a little bit of a uh, pride of reputation and expectation. You know, we're seeing it. I'm seeing it a lot with Memphis, right? You know, they were from the time D'Angelo Williams was there until I got to college, maybe one, two winning seasons. I think they went to a bowl game the year after D'Angelo graduated and then nothing, you know, to the point that when they fired Tommy West, he said, if you're not going to invest in the program, cut it. And I don't know that things ever got that bad for Virginia, but I think there is definitely the expectation that you're going to at least be bowl eligible, if not, you know, sneaking up, potentially getting into a 10-win season. For Virginia, I think that might be a little uh, lofty for them still at this point. But I think there's still there's still kind of the expectation that, hey, you know, maybe maybe a 10-win season isn't so far out of reach for us anymore. Right, it certainly feels like they expect to be above 500, which yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a time in Virginia's history they were able to do that before Bronco Mendenhall, so... Really a fantastic job he did there. Um, again, don't know what's next for him. That's pretty wild to think. He's just going to walk away. But, you know, good coach. Did a good job. Yeah. The next up-and-comer is not at Virginia. <laughs> He's a former this, bear. Technically. <laughs> Dude, is so ridiculous. <laughs> this man was drafted by the Chicago Bears, yes, and then he was cut a couple months later and uh, never played a game in the NFL. Went straight from there back to Ohio State where he played linebacker and was a graduate assistant for one year, again, under Luke Fickle. Went with Luke Fickle to Cincinnati after another stop in you know Mac country. Last year, took over the defensive coordinator job at Notre Dame. And after just one year in the program, Notre Dame has promoted Marcus Freeman as the next head coach of the Fighting Irish. Pretty incredible. And it's definitely, it's a promotion that I think makes sense too, though, right? right. This is, you know, he's, he's built a name for himself coaching-wise. He's put in the work. He's... It's shown how effective he can be. I got to start to think, too, Notre Dame isn't stupid. I don't think the administration there is stupid. I don't think the AD is stupid. They've got to be looking at potentially getting into the ACC or, you know, the ACC obviously makes the most sense, but another Power 5 conference as well. With the moves going on, with the SEC getting bigger, the Big 12 maintaining, uh Man, and actually the Big 12 is going to get bigger. I take that back. You know, with all this going on, they have got to be looking at, you know, maybe we need to get in a conference because otherwise 
you know, on the outside looking in is going to be more regular than not. And this year is a prime example of them being on the outside looking in. You can't tell me that if uh, Cincinnati had lost a game, if Cincinnati lost a game or two, that Notre Dame wouldn't be in the top four this year. Well, right. And even if they, if everything played out exactly like it has, and they were playing Pitt in the ACC championship game, even that would be a different story. So, yep. Completely agree. This would be a fantastic decision for them to join a conference. We've said it for years at this point, you know, between each other and on the show at this point, actually said it for <laughs> as long as the show's been around. Um, but Marcus Freeman, yes, fantastic hire. Completely understand the decision. I will say I know only one Notre Dame fan personally, and he's very excited about this one. <laughs> Well, and I, I got to say, too, you know, throwing out the former Bear thing, you know, we, we were joking about it earlier, but Chicago, their team forever had been Notre Dame. A lot of Catholics in Chicago is a Catholic school. Northwestern's kind of taking that over. So if you're Notre Dame, how are you going to get people back on your side? Hey, we got a former Bear as a head coach. We're going to get everybody in the media saying that, trying to get you back, back, on, a, back on our side. I mean – the media in Chicago might say that, but the media, everyone else thinks of him as an Ohio State guy. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, also, quote-unquote, played for the Texans. Nobody's going to claim that one. No. <laughs> um, I thought Luke Fickle was going to get a call for this, but the speed at which this promotion happened, there's no way they talked to anybody else, right? No. This feels like Marcus Freeman all the way, which I also I... appreciate. And it, guy. I think, you know, Sonny Dykes going to TCU. If SMU was going up to the Big 12, I don't think they even make the call. Because I, I think everybody's probably thinking the same thing with Luke Fickle. Like, how are we really going to talk this guy away from a program that he's built and is taking to a Power 5 conference? Now, I get it. They're I mean, losing. You say that at the same time. At the same time, there was no reason in the world you would ever have called Lincoln Riley. And USC just did and got him. Exactly. So, exactly. Anything's possible. <laughs> I don't think there was really a good reason LSU should have been able to get Brian Kelly, but they did. So, money talks. Just means more. <laughs> just means more. It's Cincinnati than at Notre Dame, apparently, too. <laughs> um, Virginia Tech has hired a head coach. That is new information since the last show. Brent Pry, the former defensive coordinator for Penn State, came to Penn State with James Franklin, has been there the entire time he's been there since 2014. Penn State's had a great defense with Brent Pry. I will say, interesting move for them to hire a first-time head coach. And not sure why they weren't in the conversation for some of these bigger names. Virginia Tech feels like a bigger job than that to me. I know I've even said before it's like a B-tier job, but this feels like a C-tier hire and not the it, – it doesn't feel like a competing for the division power five type of hire. Maybe Brent Pry is great. I don't want to trash the guy. He has been a good coordinator. He has been a fantastic recruiter for Penn State as well. I do understand it to that extent, but 
It just feels like a bigger job to me. Does that to you? Does that make sense? I, I think this one is definitely more to try and get the fans back on the athletic director, the administration side. Because Justin Fuente was not popular from the day he was hired. You know, taking a guy from a group of five. Virginia Tech has a very high expectation. And granted, the guy Fuente was replacing. Like, you know, I, it was an impossible situation, right? Yeah. At, at the same time, I don't know that this hire is even going to, you know, subdue those fans at all either. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, coming from a Big Ten team with a stout defense, always had those big defensive linemen there. I don't know. I I could see this going either way for Virginia Tech, honestly. I would have liked to see them get somebody more like Bill O'Brien. Maybe he needs another year in the Nick Saban rehabilitation program. Maybe. We'll see. Um, Akron has also hired a head coach. Save this one for last because it's the best for sure. Akron, S-tier job. (laughs) They are getting Joe Moorhead. Unbelievable. I couldn't, actually couldn't believe they were able to pull this one off. So he's former, I'm going to go back a couple of jobs here. Offensive coordinator for Penn State. The last time Penn State beat Ohio State. Then immediately got hired as the head coach at Mississippi State and got fired two years later to go be the offensive coordinator at Oregon and beat Ohio State again. Got another head coaching job. (laughs) So we found the formula. If you want to be a head coach in college football, go be an offensive coordinator and find a way to beat Ohio State. And any job you want is going to be yours. Apparently, he wanted to go back to Akron. He was an assistant there from 04 to 08 in a couple of different roles. But the Zips have some financial issues. Their facilities aren't that great. They don't have a lot of money for assistant coaches. But if Joe Moorhead is as good as he believes himself to be, then and he maybe wasn't that should be an issue. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's Akron, though. Probably definitely the best school that was calling him, I think. You know, if you can win more than four games a year at Akron, you're going to get a statue. So, very fair. I take that into consideration as well, I guess. But I think that does it for the news, unless you had anything else for us, man. I, not as many coaching changes to talk about this one, but I'm sure we'll have some more this weekend. <laughs> I think so. I think we're going to have some more Monday and potentially more next Thursday as well. So we'll just have to wait and see. Watch like Pitt lose the ACC championship game and just fire Pat Narduzzi. Just <laughs> Luke Fickle announces he's taking a job during the American Athletic Conference championship game. Wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Scott talks Frost. to his team. Talks to his team at halftime of the championship game. Just yeah, actually, I'm going to go. The offensive coordinator at Oregon. <laughs> so luckily for everybody who doesn't know how to do math, the Power Five and the Group of Five are not just weird random titles. They are also the number of conferences <laughs> in each of those little subdivisions. So there are 10 conference championship games to be watching out for this weekend. We're going to go through each one of them because why not? 
and we're going to be giving our picks because, I mean, again, why not? So let's go in alphabetical order of each conference. No reason to prioritize Power 5 on this show. It's not how we do things. I'm going to read off the conference, the two teams competing for that championship, and the spread. And then we are going to pick. We're not picking against the spread. I just thought it would be interesting to talk about the spread because why not again? (laughs) Well, and I I think it could potentially factor into the final college football rankings, which we will get to at the end of our picks as well. So don't. Don't yes. don't worry. We'll get there. We will get there, and I guess let's go ahead. Nothing to it but to do it. ACC be first up here. We're looking at two teams that I don't think anyone in their right minds would have ever expected to be competing for the ACC title at the beginning of the season, but that's pretty awesome. So looking at Wake Forest against Pitt. Pitt is the favorite by three points in this one. Kind of understand it. They're a little bit more of a well-balanced team, and that Wake Forest offense is certainly explosive. What do you think? I mean, I I get Pitt being a three-point spread, but this being a three-point spread, there's only one that's uh, closer than this, and we'll get there in a second. But being a three-point spread, I I think it's very reasonable to assume that Wake Forest will win. that does, I think, go against my theory that there would be a two-loss ACC champion. Wake Forest only has one loss right now, right? Wake Forest has two. They have two. So, yeah, either way, we're getting a two-loss ACC champion. Uh, I think Wake will pull it out. I, I like what they've been able to do this year. You know, Kenny Pickett got all the love of a potential Heisman candidate, and he's getting more looks now. Uh, but at the same time, I say it every time I talk about Wake Forest. Sam Hartman is incredibly slept on. So we'll just have to wait and see how this one plays out. I am going to take Pitt for the simple reason I believe in defense over flashy offense. And uh, offense for Wake Forest hasn't exactly been as consistent as it once was as they've been playing some better defenses down the stretch. So we'll see what Pat Narduzzi can cook up on that pit team. Uh, Kenny Pickett can be slinging the ball around too. So no <laughs> shortage of points in this ACC title game for sure. Interesting matchup there. The American is up next. Cincinnati is a 10.5 point favorite against Houston. The largest spread of the entire weekend. Actually tied for the largest spread of the weekend. But Cincinnati uh, against a pretty good Houston team that's been underrated all year by the playoff committee. What do you think, Bug? Which of these teams comes out on top? Yeah, I, I think Houston was really hurt by that Texas Tech loss, and it only got worse as the season went on. But I do still think they're a very good team. I think 10.5 is way more than what this game is actually going to end up being at. So if you're a better, I would take Cincinnati – or I would take Houston against the spread, but ultimately I think Cincinnati is going to win this game. I agree. Cincinnati is just a better team right now. But Houston yeah. is very good, and I wish they'd be ranked higher than, what are they right now, 23? I mean, it's kind of stupid. It, if they had played Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or Baylor like they did Texas Tech, 
they would be ranked probably in the teens somewhere. But you can't lose to Texas Tech to open the season like that. So let's look at the Big Ten up next. The team up north is a 10.5-point favorite as well. This one is against Iowa. Iowa was all the way up at number two in the country at one point this season for collapsing pretty hard on themselves. Not hard enough to be out of this title race, though. They are only a two-loss team. This is certainly a battle of the defenses, though. Yeah, that's that's been Iowa's strength. Uh, but Michigan also showed that they have a pretty damn good defense, too. And Iowa has had trouble getting their offense going. That's why a week after being ranked number two, who did they lose to? Purdue. So, man, it, and it was because they couldn't get their deep, or their offense going. And if they have those struggles again, I think Michigan easily wins this one. A, a very different story about uh, if you're going to bet like one way or another. Again, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a huge sports gambler. I'm not going to put any money on this, so don't take my right. advice and come at me for it. But yeah, yeah I wouldn't. Tenet, I wouldn't want to give any gambling advice either. I just thought the spread was interesting to look at. Yeah, ten, ten and a half, I think, is more realistic in this game than uh, than Cincinnati-Houston. That's for sure. So I agree with you that Iowa doesn't have a very good offense. However, they create points by turnovers. <laughs> and we just saw in the last game, Cade McNamara threw two picks against Ohio State, who has not been getting many interceptions this year. Iowa has been getting plenty of interceptions all year, even in games they haven't looked good. The defense has still been performing and getting picks. So I'm going to say Iowa creates too much chaos back there, and Iowa finds a way to pull it out. Why not? Anything to not pick Michigan. Absolutely. I, I want to point out in our notes, all he has written for this game is Big Ten, Iowa plus ten and a half. Every other game he has the conference and then X team versus X team. But this one, it is just Iowa plus 10.5. We don't need to go there. Big 12 <laughs> is up next. <laughs> Baylor is coming in as a two loss team against the one loss Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is favored by five and a half points. They also won the regular season matchup of this very same game. I will say it is very difficult to beat a team twice in a single season, but that's what Vegas is expecting. What do you think, Bug? Oklahoma State's rolling right now, and I, I'm i going to take Oklahoma State. However, I could see Baylor being able to jump on them after coming off the Bedlam win, and that's the first time they've won in, what, four years, five years? It's only Gundy's third or fourth win. I don't want to say Oklahoma State's going to be, you know, resting on their laurels of beating the Sooners. But anything could happen, man. Certainly possible. I'm kind of with you, though. I think Oklahoma State's just better right now. They've been, like you said, on a roll big time. That defense is pretty legit, too, which is not something we can usually say for a Big 12 team. Love to see it. Conference USA is up next. UTSA suffered their first loss of the season just last week. They will be going up against a pretty great Western Kentucky offense 
Not much on the other side of the ball for Western Kentucky, but man, they can move the ball with the best of them. They are favored in this one by two and a half points. Very surprised to see that. Until you learn there are some injuries and some COVID concerns for UTSA. Hopefully not going to affect them too much going into conference championship week. Certainly did affect them last week, though. That's why they lost so big. But, hey, got to give our picks here. Again, I hope COVID's not an issue. I don't think it will still be. But might affect our picks. Yeah, it's... uh... It's definitely going to be interesting, but I'm going to stick with UTSA on this one. I think they're a a better constructed team top to bottom. I think they've got a better culture than Western Kentucky, too. And at some point, that does play into things. I agree on most points. At the same time, I'm picking Western Kentucky. I have enjoyed this offense very much, and... Defense has fallen apart for UTSA down the stretch, honestly. They've allowed quite a few passing yards. That's what Western Kentucky specializes in. So we'll see if UTSA can hold up. I'm not convinced. I'm siding with the odds makers here. I can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that does take us to the MAC. Pretty interesting one here. Not, again, two teams I wouldn't have expected coming into this season. Kent State and Northern Illinois. Now, Northern Illinois used to make this conference championship game like every single year until they fell off really hard. And then just out of nowhere, they're back. Just (laughs) okay. Pretty crazy to see. Kent State is still the favorite in this one by three points. Kent State was expected to have a pretty good offense this year, and they have, but Northern Illinois has certainly been up to the challenge to this point. They didn't get to play in the regular season, so it should be a pretty good one. What do you think? They did play in the regular season. I was thinking of Conference USA. (laughs) Western Kentucky UTSA didn't play in the regular season. My bad. Yeah, uh, Kent State did win that one uh, 52-47, and Coming off a surprise loss to Western Michigan last week for Northern Illinois, I, I don't know if there was some uh, some resting of seniors or anything like that going on. Uh, That's really crazy because Western Michigan also beat Pitt earlier in the year, so they can't make their own conference championship. But man, they can beat people who make they other had a, conference championships. Yeah, it was a very very interesting uh, interesting season for Western Michigan. Well, all that being said. I think Northern Illinois, again, they've got the tradition and the the culture there that I think they'll be able to rebound from that Western loss and pull this one out. And I'm just going to stick with the team that I thought was going to win the MAC from a long time ago, all the way back to the beginning of the season. I thought Kent State was in contention for this. I'm going to stick with them. Kent State have a pretty solid team this season, a couple of really strong returning starters, and I didn't think Northern Illinois stood any chance in hell at making this game, let alone winning it uh, before the season started. So I'm going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about and stick with Kent State. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mountain West is up next. Utah State against San Diego State. One of those teams is a regular. The other one, again, just out of nowhere. Pretty incredible turnaround for Utah State this season. 
but San Diego State is favored by six. Who are you going with? I'm going to go with the team that beat Air Force by more. I'm going to go with San Diego State. And the reason I say that is because we, we always talk about how the service academies kind of give teams fits. And when it's a conference opponent, you shouldn't really see that. However, Air Force has shown that they're a pretty good team this year. I just look at how they've gone through the conference. You know, Navy, even before they started going on downhill, had started having struggles in the American because everybody got used to defending the triple option. Not so the case for the Mountain West. And even, you know, Utah State beat them by four. That game was a 49-45, you know, shootout. So looking at all that, considering all that, I'm going to go with San Diego State. All right, sorry to sidetrack us here, but this is just incredible. I got a notification that the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Oklahoma City Thunder by the largest margin in NBA history today, 152 to 79. What in the world? What? <laughs> and they didn't have John Morant. Yeah, he like broke his leg or something crazy. Without their best player, the Grizzlies just destroyed Oklahoma City. All right, anyway, back to football. <laughs> uh, which one were we talking about even? Man, San Diego State probably, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, that one. That notification completely derailed my train of thought. Yeah, I uh, but, fully understand. But yes, I do agree with you. San Diego State's probably going to win this game. They do a lot of the things that Utah State appears to want to do this season. They run the ball pretty well. They are physical. They do tackle well. You know, it's things that the Mountain West teams that are good are, are known for. And that's Boise State's model every year that they're successful. San Diego State, Fresno State, Utah State was trying to do that this year. San Diego State's just better at it right now. They have more experience at it. They run the ball extremely well. They tackle really well. It's what they do. So Utah State, fantastic season for you. Probably just a bit early to be making the conference championship game. Next up on the list, Pac-12. This is a rematch of really, I was going to say a great game, but it wasn't a great game. Utah destroyed Oregon in the regular season. We get to see the matchup again. And once again, I will say it is hard to beat a team twice in one season. But Utah has the opportunity to do so, and they are favored to do so, going into this one as three-point favorites, even though they are ranked lower by the committee. What do you think about that, playoff committee? Yeah, maybe pay attention to the real world for a minute. <laughs> what? No. Playoff but, committee. But it probably should be a good game, and hopefully – Hopefully everyone's healthy and ready to go and uh, give us an entertaining one here. What do you think? Who's going to pull this one out? Uh, Oregon has some holes. I think Utah was able to exploit that earlier this season. They've also got a lot of great strengths, namely that defense, that run game. I think Utah is going to have problems stopping Oregon twice. I think Oregon might have figured them out a little bit more. I'm going with the Ducks. Quack, quack. 
I will say Oregon should have learned the formula for success is to run the ball more than what they did last time. I will also say Utah has a fantastic linebacker named Devin Lloyd. If you don't know about him, you need to learn because he's going to be a first-round pick at linebacker. And, uh, yeah, he's going to stop the run game for Oregon the way that Ohio State couldn't. (laughs) I'm taking Utah to repeat over Oregon this season. SEC is up next. Georgia, of course, is going to be favored. They are playing Alabama. Um, Surprising to see anyone favored over Alabama at any time ever. But Georgia's been that good of a team this year. They are favored by six and a half points. A whole touchdown over Alabama. Pretty wild. I see you shaking your head. That is insane. Never thought I'd see the day. Unless I took a time machine back to the 90s. Right. (laughs) I... I still have a lot of questions and a lot of doubts in this Alabama team. But what they're able to do in the Iron Bowl, come back. And, and again, I you guys talked about it a little bit on Monday. I hate how the game ended because of the, the new shootout rules, essentially. But just the way they're able to bear down, come back, execute a 99-yard drive to take the lead or to tie the game up. I'm going Bama. And it pains me to say that because of what that does to the college football playoff. But I'm going with Bama. I can't do it. Alabama has looked too weak at too many points in the season. Actually did lose to Texas A&M. Yeah. Should have lost to LSU. Should have lost to Auburn. Should have lost to Florida. I mean, yeah. there were so many opportunities for Alabama to lose that they snuck by. Georgia's not a team you can sneak by this year. And I don't believe in Georgia still. I don't trust them. They have never given me reason to trust them. I, but I, at the same time, it's just they feel like a better team right now. I, we don't have to look this up. But when was the last time Nick Saban had a two-loss team? Right. Um, at, actually, at actually, I'm going to say not as far back as you think. Um I think it was probably like four or five years ago. I do. I, I remember it. What you're talking about. But the other thing you got to look at, too, he's only had one two loss team at Alabama, and, you know, that we can think of off the top of our heads. And then add to it, he's only lost to one assistant, one former assistant coach, and now he's going to be facing the second one this season. In a big two game. losses in 2019. Yeah. And then before then, it was 2014 and 2013. 2010, he had three losses. 2008 was two losses. And 07 was his first year. He went two and six. That was his first year. I'm will, <laughs> like, I, I'm willing to even give Nick Saban the four year. Let's let's get this program back on the right ship. Four year, yeah, he did his third year. He won 14 and 0 national champions. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Well, that's my point. You know, not too many two loss seasons. Right. Not, you know, and now, yeah, he's finally lost to an assistant, but he gets to play another one in the conference championship game. Like, 
I just I don't know. I it's hard for me to pick against Bama in this, even it, though it is everything. It is I, I you're taking Georgia. I, like I'll, right. I'll spoil it for everybody. I, I, mean, I understand. You already said, but yeah, yeah, and, and I, I want to, and I want Georgia to win. I, I can't. I can't do it. I can't make myself do it, man. I can't. I understand where you're coming from. At the same time, I really do think Georgia's going to win, so I'm going to take them. This is this is you don't pick against Brady in the playoffs. This is what this pick is for me. Totally understandable, but again, Brady has lost a playoff game before in his life. It does happen. And <laughs> and look, even if I was if I was betting on it, I'd still be happy to be like, yeah, Tom Brady lost. <laughs> if I were a betting man, I would still avoid this game. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, last conference. Again, going alphabetical order here. Sun Belt is up next. Appalachian State is the favorite against one loss, Louisiana. Both of these teams are in the BDT trench ratings top 10, but neither are ranked in college football playoff bowl. Um, I think this would be a fantastic matchup. I know Appalachian State is a two-loss team, and Louisiana is a one-loss team. But with Billy Napier leaving for Florida, Appalachian State is going to be the favorite. So, hand it over to you. Who do you think is going to win? So, I'm interested to see. It here. Here's the one question I wish I had answered because it might change my my pick. I'm going with Louisiana. And the question I want answered, and we talked a little bit about a similar situation, not completely similar, but a little bit about a similar situation. When Scott Frost left UCF, you know, that it was announced in the middle of overtime of the conference championship game against Memphis. And this is, you know, all politics and everything else, real world important stuff aside. This is when I started to hate the media that they announced that in the middle of the game. And that was like the second question they asked him off my soapbox there. If Bill Napier does what Scott Frost did and commits to his team that he is going to coach them in their bowl game, I would 100% be firm with Louisiana. And I'm still taking them, but I assume probably what's going to happen is what's happened with a lot of these group of five guys that get pulled to a power five job is they're going to forego the bowl game and start, start on the job at their next school. The difference is Florida is also in a bowl game. So I think he's in a good position to be able to see it through, see it, you know, go to that bowl game, have one last hurrah with his guys in Louisiana, and then really start kicking into high gear with Florida. Uh, But for right now, you know, that's kind of up in the air. So I'm going to stick with hoping that he does that and go, you know, that he stays with his team through the bowl season and take Louisiana. According to the official press release, he's set to arrive in Gainesville on Sunday, December 5, and will be there in Gainesville. So, I, again, I don't know what that means exactly for coaching, but... And and uh, Scott Frost, Nebraska was not bowl eligible. <laughs> Come on. Uh, right. But he was, he was pulling double duty because he had a commitment to his guys at UCF and they almost beat LSU, who went on to win the national championship the next season. So he, it's not like he was slacking on his commitment to the Golden Knights. 
uh, you know, he was he was able to pull pull it off in both places. Louisiana to Gainesville is a lot closer than uh, Orlando to Nebraska. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I am assuming that Billy Napier is going to go ahead and leave, and that would mean I'm picking Appalachian State. Both of these teams are roughly equal to me. That yeah. really did impact the decision on whether Napier is going to be there or not. So this should be – I'm not saying this because the trench ratings. I'm saying this because I legitimately believe it just watching these teams. This should be one of the best conference championship games of the weekend. Do yourself a favor and tune into the fun belt for real. This is should be just an awesome game. I agree. Uh, I don't. I honestly don't see any games that are going to be stinkers this week. Well, I would hope not. <laughs> it's happened before. But it had, absolutely right. <laughs> and even some that we expected to be good games. I mean. I'm an Ohio State fan, so I'm going to take it back to 2014. Ohio State ended up winning 59 to nothing against Wisconsin. That everyone thought Wisconsin was going to win that game. So anything's possible. Week, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I wasn't here Monday. I gotta, I gotta twist the knife a little bit. So after these conference championship games, we're going to get the final college football playoff rankings. We have both agreed that if everything goes as predicted, everything's chalk here. That would end up meaning we're going to see a number one Georgia against number four Oklahoma State. Number two team up north against number three Cincinnati. That makes sense to me. I'm okay with that. I think that's two pretty good matchups too. I do have to ask you, could you see there being Oklahoma State jumping Cincinnati even, Cincinnati staying at four, Oklahoma State taking three? That is possible, but I will say Houston is ranked, so it's not like it's, you know, they're not ranked very high, but it, they are no. ranked. It it should be considered another good win, and I don't know. It is possible that Cincinnati ends up at four. I would like to see the more regional matchup, and I bet the committee will – actually, they it's in the contract. They do consider the matchups. So I would say that would be a consideration. We did see Georgia play Cincinnati last year in the Beach Bowl, though. So maybe I'd that's something that rematch, too. Right. I'd love to see that rematch. Honestly – Put Cincinnati in. I will watch that game, whichever game it is. <laughs> but need them to take care of business first. There are plenty of scenarios that Cincinnati gets left out of the playoff. Plenty of scenarios where somebody <laughs> somebody gets left out. But I think the scariest one is if everything comes true as you predicted and Alabama beats Georgia, what do we think the playoff is going to look like then? I if that happens, they're going to want Alabama-Georgia in the championship game. So they will throw Bama at one, Michigan at two, Georgia at three, Cincinnati at four. Now, I will add here that I, I didn't break down a ton of scenarios like you're about to. Uh, but if if Cincinnati does not win big, if they don't I, – I think the spread is kind of important for them. 
right? If they can't at least cover the spread, I am worried that a big win from Oklahoma State will elevate them or an Oklahoma State loss and a Cincinnati squeak by or potentially a Cincinnati loss, definitely a Cincinnati loss, will open the door for Notre Dame to sneak into a playoff they absolutely don't deserve to be in. Before I hand it over to you, no matter what the, you know, if this goes chalk and, you know, we see Georgia, Cincinnati, Michigan, Cincinnati, whatever, I'm tired of seeing Cincinnati's just going to get killed. Because first of all, that Peach Bowl was fantastic last year, right? Uh, You know, fantastic football game. Second of all, there have been three first round college football playoff games that haven't been two or three possession games. Everybody fucking gets blown out in the first round. Stop it. Let the most deserving team, not the team that people are going to tune in to watch, not the team that's going to make ESPN the most money, let the most deserving teams in. And if you go undefeated, you beat everybody that's on your schedule, you deserve to be in. That's crazy talk, man. (laughs) But yes, I do want to break down some wild scenarios with you. I... We'll start with the one that you proposed, if Alabama wins. Um, I am not convinced that they will set up the rematch for the national championship. I think an immediate rematch would be... It it would be an equal draw. And I think after the Bama-Georgia national championship game, when was that, 2017? Mm-hmm. I mean, that one didn't do very well. <laughs> um, I don't know that the committee will be too eager to get that low of ratings on the title game again. So to spread it out a little bit, I would say that it's going to be number two versus number three, Bama, Georgia. Then that would make the the other semifinal number one team up north against either Cincinnati or Oklahoma State. And I think there is, like you said, a very real possibility Oklahoma State does jump Cincinnati. If everything plays out chalk the way it should, like Cincinnati wins by double digits, there's no reason that Oklahoma State would jump them. I... I think the biggest thing is, you know, it's it goes from being the eye test to getting style points, and nobody can describe what any of this shit means. Right. I, I just, I'm concerned that Sunday is going to be nothing but pure anger from me, starting with the NFL and ending with the final college football poll rankings. Very possible. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> So a couple other scenarios I want to talk about, though. Let's say every favorite wins except for the team up north. Let's say Iowa wins their game. Then I would say Bama probably still makes the playoff as a two-loss non-conference champion. You would probably then see number one Georgia against number four Alabama and Cincinnati and Oklahoma State at 2-3. Again, I would be okay with that. I wouldn't like it, but it would be, you know, if if Iowa won the Big Ten, they're not going to elevate all the way up into the top four, right? If Houston beat Cincinnati, 
well, okay, that's the committee's wet dream, right? They can't stand the thought of putting Cincinnati in the playoffs. So, whatever. If Baylor wins, well, then Oklahoma State's going to be out. Who is that fourth team? Is it still Alabama? I don't know, right? So, I said Alabama might be the fourth team if Iowa wins. You know, if Baylor wins, again, it could still be Alabama. I'm going to change it up here. I'm going to say Notre Dame makes it, right? It would come down. It would be a conversation between those two for that fourth spot if one of these favorites drops out. Maybe they say, we don't want the rematch. Let's get UGA versus Notre Dame, and let's have Team Up North against Cincinnati. Again, I would be okay with that. <laughs> I really just there's, want Oklahoma State to win. <laughs> there's so many ways this could go. There's so many ways this could go. And, and you know, we, we talked about it, that there's there's no way a two-loss team's going to get in. So if, if we do have all these upsets, there's going to have to be a two-loss team in. I think if all of the upsets happen, we're going to be looking at multiple two-loss teams in the conversation. And, if, and what's what's depressing about it, though, is you've got two one-loss teams that just played each other in the American Athletic Conference Championship that aren't going to get considered anymore. Right. Absolutely. And it, it's, it's insane. It's ridiculous. So, last scenario is balls to the wall, everything goes wrong for everybody. All of the favorites lose. First of all, that's not going to happen. Second of all, what would the ranking actually look like if that were to happen? I'm going to say you'd end up with number one, Alabama. Probably number two, Georgia. There's no way they fall too, too far. Mm -hmm. I would say their floor is going to be number three, even if they lose big. I, I would say... I don't even know that that happens because I don't think the committee is going to want to try to justify putting a one loss Notre Dame over a one loss Georgia who just lost in their conference championship to the team. They're undoubtedly going to put at number one in right. Bama. And Oh, by the way, Notre Dame's one loss is to a team that they just had to take out of the college football playoff that right. they quote unquote shouldn't have lost to anyway, because they're from an inferior conference, even though they're in a conference. So it can't be inferior here. <laughs> end quote I'm going to say number one Bama, number two Georgia number three probably Notre Dame because they will have been unscathed just by the fact that they didn't play anybody <laughs> and then number four you start to have a conversation you end up with a whole lot of two lost teams right and you probably take a conference champion before you take a non-conference champion. That leaves you with a conversation between the team up north, who just lost, Oklahoma State, who just lost, or Baylor, who just won. I would say there is probably a scenario and one lone scenario where Baylor could still get in the playoff. 
am I crazy for thinking that? No, and I've always said a two-loss team gets in over a one-loss, you know, group of five team. I'm going to be or an undefeated group of five team. Even I'm going to be pissed, and I still will be. I won't boycott the playoff <laughs> to the extent that I would if it was Bama being the two-loss team getting in. Because I, I do get it. It does matter when you lose. And for group of five teams, not just Cincinnati, you have one loss. You're out of the conversation for eternity. Right. Yeah, we, you know, Houston talked about it earlier. You can't lose to Texas Tech like that. But if they had played Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, I don't think they're even sniffing the top five anyway. I think at most they could get maybe seven or eight. I think that would be their ceiling as far as rankings go. So I don't know. I If all this does magically shake out that way, and even even if it doesn't, even if we have uh, – we really only need two upsets here, or three, I, should, I guess. You know, Bama, Baylor, and Houston. If that happens, we might be looking at Baylor getting in anyway. Right. I don't I don't know how much we need Michigan to lose either. I don't know. I would just enjoy that one, so <laughs> I included it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A two loss conference champion Baylor gets in over a one loss conference champion Houston. Yes. A two loss conference championship champion Baylor. That's that's where the tricky thing comes in. Would they be able right. to jump Georgia? Would they be able to jump Notre Dame either, you know? I don't believe they would jump. I don't think they would jump really anyone with fewer losses except for Cincinnati. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We'll see what it is. I'm really, I really am rooting for Cincinnati to win here and to at least win one game in the playoff. Honestly, don't care if they end up losing to Georgia in the national championship. At least just have a good game. Yeah, and I mean, that's the other thing. There's been very few national championships that have even been close since we go to the college football playoff. So, right. I (laughs) just cracks me up. Right. You're going to get blown out. Oh, yeah, like Notre Dame does every time. Yeah. Oh, you mean like Clemson did to Ohio State last year? Oh, right. what about what Bama did to both teams they played in the college football playoff last year? Crazy, exactly. man. Hate to see a different team get a shot to get there. You know, we'll stop there. We'll start saying inappropriate things. Hey, I did last episode, so you're all good. <laughs> we do have more college football to talk about. Let's get there, go through that real quick, and get to the NFL. What do you say? Let's do it. So we're not going to make every game picks for this one, probably. Probably um, not just, even keep record of it. Just something fun to talk about. Yeah, just shout out a game if you want to. Any of these games, you can stop me anytime. So this is round two of the FCS playoffs. It will be happening all weekend on ESPN+. Plus. I believe there are games starting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? So I think there are two games each day. I'm not sure how all it works exactly, but I know round two of the FCS playoffs is here. So we have Holy Cross against Villanova. 
which I shouted out last week as probably going to be one of the most interesting matchups that no one's going to really cover because Holy Cross's defense is amazing. And they've gotten some weird matchups here where it's kind of strength on strength, right? So both these defenses should be pretty good. Both these offenses might be terrible. It might end up as another single-digit game, but it should be a fun one if you're into that sort of thing, I guess. Uh, next one, Kennesaw State, ETSU. And the Buccaneers have had one incredible season, but Kennesaw State's coming in hot. See how they can perform. Big one down in Texas, UIW, Incarnate Word, led by probably my favorite college football quarterback <laughs> right now, Cameron Ward. I keep shouting him out every time I get uh, against Sam Houston. Sam Houston is the reigning, defending, undisputed national champions from earlier States. this year. They have won more games in a calendar year than any other FCS team in history, thanks to the spring season. <laughs> and they are going for two national championships in the same calendar season, which would just be stuff of legend. To do so, they have to get through Incarnate Word first. Next one, South Dakota State and Sacramento State. Another South big Dakota State. Matchup. One of, the other, one of the other teams that was in that national championship earlier in the spring here. And Sacramento State is, I don't know if they're the favorite, actually. Uh, they are the team who got a first round bye because they ended up winning their conference. But South Dakota State's a pretty darn good team. Let's mm -hmm. see what happens there. Eastern Washington against Montana. A little bit of an inter-conference rivalry. And another chance for Eric Bargay to light up the scoreboard with his insane passing numbers, as he does every game. Montana State is also in a playoff game. This one against Tennessee Martin. Did not expect Tennessee Martin to make it this far. I know it's only the second round, but still. The fact Sky that he made the playoff. That's pretty Hawks, baby. Let's yeah. go backwards for a second here. You mentioned uh, games being Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So there are no Sunday games. Mm -hmm. Holy Cross and Villanova and Eastern Washington and Montana will be playing on Friday. Everybody else can be playing on Saturday. Okay. So if you're if you're missing a little high school football, uh, I know in Illinois the high school football state championships are over Thanksgiving weekend. I, I don't I imagine it's probably somewhere around the rest of the country as well. But if you're missing a little of that Friday night light action, uh, you'll be getting it with uh, Holy Cross, Villanova, and Eastern Washington and Montana. Fantastic. Do have a Missouri Valley Conference matchup here in the playoffs? Southern Illinois against North Dakota State. Worth mentioning, North Dakota State lost to Southern Illinois earlier this year in the spring season. In the spring <laughs> playoffs. No, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was regular season. Either way. That means Either way. <laughs> hey, you know, I, and again, they lost that game at SIU. They didn't, you know, the dogs didn't have to go to the Fargo Dome. We talked, we joked about this one being uh, the South Dakota versus SIU game being the uh, congratulations. You, you now get to go slaughter, get slaughtered. Yeah. Um, I, I I could see it going that way. I could see it not going that way. So it's, it all depends what SIU team shows up and what North Dakota team, North Dakota State team shows up. So. The Salukis have proven time and again they're full of many surprises, including losing games that they shouldn't, 
and winning games that they shouldn't. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I can't call them the cardiac cats. I can't. I can't think of a heart heart attack uh, name for a, a dog team, but somebody will figure it out and get back to me. I'm sure. I mean, the Browns were the cardiac kids in the '80s. So I mean, you can do some alliteration with cardiac something. <laughs> um, the or the stroke inducing salukis. <laughs> <laughs> And the last matchup of round two, Southeastern Louisiana up against James Madison. Actually, this should be a fantastic game. James Madison is known for their defenses and their line play. And Southeastern Louisiana is known for Cole Kelly. So, <laughs> I, I a pretty great quarterback. I got to shout out Southeastern Louisiana, too. You know, spring season was very odd for everybody. And uh, I have a lot of respect for this program. They ran into a similar situation to SIU did. Had a team COVID out, opt out at the very last minute. Some phone calls were made and they said, hey, we're both in playoff contention. And whoever wins this game will probably get in. The dogs ended up doing it and having a good run. Big respect for Southeast Louisiana for taking that game on short notice. Because they probably, had they not played, they had a much better chance of getting in than SIU did. SIU benefited greatly from that game, and Southeastern Louisiana would have benefited as well. Uh, probably not to the same extent the Dogs did, but a lot of respect for them. JMU is a powerhouse. They're going to the FBS here soon. I, I'm pulling for the Lions in this one. And I'm pulling for my guy, Cole Kelly. So I know I keep bringing him up like every single time. But seriously, if you go look at any FCS stats, there are three quarterbacks in the league at over 4,000 yards this season. They are Cole Kelly, Eric Barrier, Cameron Ward. Not kidding when I talk about those guys. <laughs> they are legit, and they are the best of the FCS. So, man, what a week of college football. Some serious games going on. And we are about to get into bowl season. Oof, what a right. what a time to be alive. I got to give you a shout-out here, and congratulations going 29-12 and 12 on your picks throughout the college football season. You did win our regular season picks championship here at BDT, um, even after an unfortunately rough week for you last week. So, congrats, Doug. I don't know, one and two to finish the regular season. I still ended up winning. Pretty and amazing. I finished, I finished three and oh. <laughs> best, best week of the year. Yeah, you got hot at the – I don't know if you can still stay you got hot at the right time because you ended up losing anyway, but, you know. <laughs> well, that does it for college football. Um, there are There is NFL football happening. There really is. It does still exist. <laughs> you wouldn't know it from the news cycle. Nobody's talking about it right now, it feels like. There is football happening. Now, Tug is not here, and he didn't give us any game or player to watch, but that isn't going to stop us because we still want to talk about some NFL football, right? So We'll just let him pick two random games next week or something. Yeah, something. (laughs) (laughs) But let's go ahead and talk about our games to watch this weekend. Uh, I'm going to go Ravens-Steelers. I, I was scrolling through, looking at all the different games this coming up week, and there's there's not a lot that really caught my eye, honestly. A lot nothing, of 
nothing as good as Appalachian State, Louisiana. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just in a college football mindset. Uh, that being said, the Ravens look like they've cooled off a bit. The Steelers, I have no clue what's going on with them. Right. The NFC, the AFC North was looking like the best division in football through five weeks. And now it's just like, what is going on? Like, the whole AFC, honestly, is kind of in the what's going on stage here. So, uh, I, I'm in, I'm intrigued by this matchup for sure. Uh, the Ravens are favored by four points, so we'll see if Lamar Jackson can pull out some magic here and make it happen. Absolutely agree on the AFC North in general that everyone expected that division to be great this season. And, I mean, some teams are playing pretty tough sometimes. When they feel like it. Right. I mean, goodness. No one would have ever thought that the Titans were going to just completely dominate for half the season and then lose Derrick Henry and not dominate at all anymore. No one in their right minds would have predicted that Patrick Mahomes would look like, I don't know, Mitch Trubisky for the first half of the season and then just show up for a game or two out of nowhere. I certainly would have predicted that the Broncos were going to be in contention for AFC West at this point in the season. So, man, that whole whole conference is upside down. You're absolutely right. So I'm picking an intra-conference game then because we're kind of <laughs> seeing the opposite trajectories. The Vegas Raiders, man, they started off great as they do almost every single season, and they are no longer great. Same story as almost every single season. Uh, Rich Passatia has done a pretty great job, actually, as interim head coach, of keeping everyone together and not letting, not allowing too many outside distractions. I mean, after not only the John Gruden situation, but also the Henry Ruggs situation, there could have been all sorts of things gone wrong with this team. They have stuck together. They are still losing, though. They're kind of on a downward trend, as we almost have to expect from the Raiders anymore. But on the opposite end of that spectrum, the Washington football team has been winning some games as of late, and they started the season off so bad that it's really kind of, it feels like out of nowhere. Have to remember, this is a team that won their division last year. They still very well could be in contention to do that this season as well. Kind of two teams on opposite paths. Very fascinating game for me. Want to see what Heineke can do, if he can keep it up. And let's go ahead and jump into the picks. I am going to take Washington in this one. Just feels like the momentum is all on their side. And why not? That's going to be my mantra this episode. Why not? <laughs> I, I'm going to take the Raiders on this one. I think they're going to right the ship. And Derek Carr, he's, he's getting a lot of the blame. And there's a lot of Raiders fans and Derek Carr stands out there that won't put the blame on him that he deserves. But he's being a man about it. He's taking the blame. He's taking accountability. That's something I love to see. And if he, if this team is going to turn it around, it's going to be on the back of Derek Carr turning his game around too. And I, I think against the Raiders or against the uh, Washington football team this week, they'll be able to do it, man. That defense has not looked the same with Chase Young out. 
certainly fair. Certainly fair. I would also argue that the Raiders' defense hasn't looked the same since, I don't know, week three. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But I'm going to take the Ravens against the Steelers, though, too. I, don't, I do not know what to make of this Pittsburgh team. And, and I think that's what's intriguing about this game is they're so up and down. You, you really don't know what to expect from the Steelers. So it, I'm hoping that's at least going to be a good game. But I, I am ultimately going to take the Ravens as well. I like Lamar too much. I like what he brings to the game, what he's able to do. And uh, with Marquise Brown looking like he's going to be back this week, I, I think it's tough to kind of go against them in this one. So with that, let's go ahead and jump to the players to watch as well. Uh, I'm going to go first on this one. I know we talked about the AFC a little bit here. This is a weird situation with the entire conference. And I did mention in there the Broncos are competing for the division. Really, this week, they have six wins on the year so far. The Chiefs have seven. If the Broncos beat the Chiefs this weekend, they would have a tiebreaker. And be up on the Chiefs in the division. Absolutely insane. Never would have expected this. If you're going to do that, you need the quarterback to show up. I'm going to be watching Teddy Bridgewater. And this Broncos team is completely different with Teddy Bridgewater in the game than anybody else. And I think it just kind of goes to show how much people have slept on Teddy Bridgewater. And really, man, everybody really should have been giving this guy more respect than what he's gotten. I am going to take Kadarius Tony because this Dolphins defense, I, they're turning it on. So I don't want to say you don't really know what to expect from the secondary. But between Tony and Galladay, I think Galladay is going to draw Xavier Howard over to his side more often. He's going to have the one on one, you know, big name. He's going to be going up against the best uh, quarterback there. Tug would correct me on who the hell it is. But. Tony, I think, might be able to have a breakout game. And I I think he's a guy that will eventually develop into a wide receiver one. I think that's what everybody wants him to be, at least. But to do that, you got to be able to start having some bigger games as wide receiver, too. And I think this might be the week that he's able to do it. That'd be pretty impressive, because Miami's only saving quality right now, in my eyes, are their defensive backs. Yeah. So... Hey, Kadarius Tony is supposed to have the talent to do that. So it, it was also their most ridiculous weakness early in the season. So true. Very I, true. I, I don't know. Head scratcher out in Miami, just like I, the rest of the NFL in general. Just I, I, what a weird year. I've said it for like four weeks. I have no clue what's going on in the NFL right now. I really don't. It is. It is insane. You. Do happen to know better than I do week to week, though. You are 21 and 12 so far. That's pretty great. Not going to lie. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) But that does it for our game previews this week. Unless there's anything else you wanted to add, man, college or NFL. What do you got? Anything? I'm just hoping for a good week of football with conference championships. It absolutely should be. I don't know how much NFL I'm going to get to watch this week. I really don't know how much football at all I'm going to get to watch this week. I mean, you know, I'm in the middle of moving, trying to get all that stuff sorted out. So anything that I get to watch, I'm probably going to be glued to. So I'm I'm just excited for football, man. It's it's coming down to the biggest part of the year. 
and uh, you know, people complain about how many bulls there are all the time and so many unnecessary ones. I don't completely disagree with you, by the way, but something about being able to turn on the TV and always have football on, especially after COVID, you'll never hear me complain about the number of bowl games ever again. I'll still joke about some of the shittier ones, but I'll never complain about the number of bowl games ever again. Hey, not to dox you too, too much, but how does it feel to be finally moving out of New Mexico? I am. I'm still in New Mexico. Uh, It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. I do have a lot of friends here. I'm going to miss them, but I am excited to get to Missouri and a little bit more green grass out there and be a little closer to uh, to Kansas City. Might be working a a connection with Kansas City uh, and the Chiefs here. So we'll. Uh, I don't want to say too much more, but <laughs> it could be uh, it could be very awesome if we if I pull this one out. Oof! I don't even want to think about it. Let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on. One more pretty huge order of business before we close out this episode of the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. We have bracket time. This already, I mean, I say already, but it's been like a couple months in the making now. This is our semi-final episode, actually, of the greatest Heisman Trophy winner of all time. We have four matchups to talk about today. We certainly appreciate your help on Twitter and on Instagram this time. Got all of your votes together. Really fantastic to see the turnout on Instagram. Thank you so much for supporting us at BDT underscore football over there. But make sure you vote on Twitter as well, at BDT football on Twitter. And uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and dive on in. You ready? Let's do it, brother. First one up, Joe Burrow against Charles Woodson. And the people have chosen Joe Burrow. He won on both Instagram and Twitter. So no, you know, no need to talk about how do you do in one versus the other, which is going to be a little bit of a conversation here in a little bit. Uh, he won cleanly. I don't know that it's wrong. I don't know that it's bias, uh, quarterback bias. And we, you know, we've whittled it down to five, six quarterbacks out of our final eight here. So I, I don't want to say it's quarterback bias, but I also understand. I, I don't know how you can take Charles Woodson over the season Joe Burrow had. Certainly one of the greatest college football seasons ever. Absolutely the greatest college football season by a quarterback ever. I, I think Joe Burrow is a very obvious guy to move on. Credit to Charles Woodson, though, right? Only defensive player to ever win the Heisman. And he made it all, you know, all the way to our, you know, not elite eight, you know, trademark issues there, right? All while being done on a show with a massive Ohio State fan that won't even say Michigan. So props to Charles Wilson. Yeah, really great run for him. I mean, same time, Joe, you can't argue with 60 touchdowns in a no. season. That's pretty amazing. Good luck. So, Good luck trying. <laughs> so, yeah, Joe Burrow's going to go ahead and move on there. Next matchup is Reggie Bush against Lamar Jackson. Now, the Heisman Trust doesn't even recognize that Reggie Bush ever won it to begin with, which, first of all, absolutely ridiculous. But 
in this matchup against Lamar Jackson. According to the people, Lamar Jackson should be moving on. And hmm. that's, that's a rough one. I, I don't know that I disagree with him, though. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about, we just said Joe Burrow had one of the greatest, if not the greatest, college football season by quarterback. Lamar Jackson had a great college football season for a running back as a quarterback. Oh, and he had amazing passing stats too. So I, we, we saw, you know, with some of the earlier Heisman winners, Pete Dawkins is a prime example. Guys that did it both. Guys that did a little bit of everything. Lamar Jackson did a lot of everything and did a lot of everything really really good so good that i think that louis that louisville team had two three losses and he still won the heisman because he was that good Uh, i gotta give it to him here i don't know that he's going to be able to beat joe burrow or any the other two guys that we move on here but he absolutely deserves a spot in our final four not final four sorry no i agree i agree with that it just it hurts to leave reggie bush out of it he feels like one of the iconic running backs of you know my I don't know my entire lifetime watching football same but yeah, Lamar Jackson was he was pretty incredible that gives us two quarterbacks in our top four here that's well that's we're, we're gonna have three it's for going sure. to continue right because uh, our next matchup is Marcus Mariota against Baker Mayfield now this is where Bogle already alluded to it a little bit of a difference between what Twitter and Instagram said. So Marcus Mariota won on Twitter with 75% of the vote. Baker Mayfield, when I last checked on Instagram, and I'm, I'm still working out the kinks. I've never used Instagram in my life before. This was literally, like, I've been making a few posts before today, or before yeah, won, the other day. Baker Mayfield won Instagram with about 75% of the vote, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, so it's... It's very weird. So we're going we're gonna to call it a tie in this situation. And I'm going to explain my idea for how we're going to do uh, our, our not final four vote here uh, in a little bit after we, we sort this one out, right? Or after we sort the next two out, I should say. For this case, though, I'm going to have to say that it's a draw because I, I'm not able to get a final review of the Instagram vote. And if anybody has... Any tips for us besides, hey, you know, set a timer and check it, you know, right before your story expires. Uh, you know, if, if you have any advice besides that, please let us know. Uh, we can get a little more accurate representation. And the reason I say that is because it does make things difficult for us. Because without Tug here, we don't have a true tie-breaking vote. So if Doug and I don't agree. You're going to get to listen to us debate and try to convince the other one for about five, 10 minutes, which maybe that's what you enjoy most about the show. So congratulations. Here it comes. I'm going to side with Twitter who took Marcus Mariota. And the reason I'm going to do that is because Mariota, a lot of people still don't. I mean, we've said it a couple of times. He didn't play for Chip Kelly. But he ran an offense. He would have run Chip Kelly's offense effectively, and he ran that offense more effectively than Chip Kelly's offense had been the last couple years at Oregon, and especially the last couple, you know, the last few years he's been at UCLA and in the NFL. Marcus Mariota, man, just a special season, special year, only throwing four interceptions 
on 445 pass attempts. That's insane. I I, I want to see where you're going to go here. I don't know if I've convinced you to go with Mariota. I don't know if you were going to go with him to begin with. Doug, I'll hand it over to you. I want to go Marcus Mariota because of how much I love this story. But as much as you were saying it's impressive to throw 42 touchdowns on 445 attempts, Baker Mayfield threw 43 touchdowns on 40 fewer attempts. I said it was impressive to only throw four interceptions on 445 attempts. Okay, Baker well, Mayfield, Baker Mayfield only threw six. On I mean, 40 less attempts. That's still really good. <laughs> he also threw for more yards. And something to consider, this sounds weird because we think of that Oregon team a different way than what it really was. Baker Mayfield ran for more yards than Marcus Mariota did. Like three times the amount of yards that Marcus Mariota did, actually. Really incredible to see that. And he also, Baker Mayfield ran for six touchdowns. I will say, Marcus Mariota ran for 16 touchdowns. It's Heisman here. So I'm what I'm saying is it's like way closer than I even thought it was. I was going into this assuming I was going to move on Marcus Mariota. Baker Mayfield's stats are truly incredible. And his entire story makes it all that better. He had to walk on at two different schools and he mm-hmm. ended up having this kind of a season. That Heisman season as well, 2017 was the year he came into the horseshoe and beat Ohio State. And he was in the conversation for the Heisman the year before, too. Right. Right. And he two-time Burlesworth Award winner, maybe three-time, at least two-time. I know it was in consideration three times. He he does have a lot going for him right off the top of the head. Uh, But we talked about uh, embarrassing first-round college football playoff losses. And uh, that Oklahoma team was on the losing side. It wasn't an embarrassing one, though. However, Florida State was on the losing side of an embarrassing first-round college football playoff it loss. It was a jaw drop, Oregon. that first-round one. Oregon, yeah. Oregon destroyed Florida State. Again, though, Ohio State then destroyed Oregon. So, But they got there. <laughs> which is something Oklahoma still hasn't done since we've gone to the college football playoff format. So another thing to consider, which is something that we have looked at for most rounds, is who do these guys beat out for the Heisman, right? So your guy beat out Melvin Gordon, Amari Mm -hmm. Cooper. Not bad, not bad. He beat out JT Barrett. I mean, JT Barrett was never going to win a Heisman trophy. (laughs) He beat out Dak Prescott. Jameis Winston didn't earn a real shot of the Heisman Trophy. Jameis Winston that year threw 18 interceptions, 25 touchdowns. No. <laughs> <laughs> Baker Mayfield, on the other hand, first of all, Bryce Love should have won the Heisman Trophy at some point in his career. That year, he ran for 2,100 yards and 19 touchdowns, 8.1 yards per carry. And Bryce he Love a... was fantastic. He is a college football guy. Right. Melvin Gordon has built a, such a name for himself in the NFL. 
I don't know that you can really consider him a college football guy anymore. And, and I don't know that that really weighs into anything here, but it's worth mentioning. Bryce Love is a college football guy. One guy that we just moved on in our bracket, Lamar Jackson. Baker Mayfield beat him for the Heisman that next season, right? Baker beat out Saquon Barkley, Rashad Penny, two first-round picks at running back. Jonathan Taylor, who's dominating in the league right now for the Indianapolis a freshman, Colts. A freshman Jonathan Taylor, worth noting. A freshman, but still running for 1,900 yards, 6.6 per attempt, and 13 touchdowns. I mean, that's an incredible season. And Baker Mayfield beat him, right? And a sophomore, Mackenzie Milton. I didn't realize on Johnson was this young, but he was a junior this year. And got to give some love to the defensive guy, Roquan Smith. I mean, I wasn't trying to read the entire list, but yes, you're right. Mason Rudolph's on there, too. Mason Rudolph had a pretty he's, good he's, year. But... He's worth skipping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this list for Baker Mayfield is far more impressive than Marcus Mariota's list. I mean, he beat out Scooby Wright. Who? I only know him because his name is Scooby. So, <laughs> Bryce Petty. Dude, Bryce Petty was a beast for like two seasons. He was a uh, he was a September Heisman. Was one of them. <laughs> yeah, he was a September Heisman man. Right, I mean, right. So ugh. again, I think you could still convince me if you're still leaning Marcus Margarita. I think I'm okay with that. I just. Baker Mayfield, this is a lot closer than. <laughs> yeah, I don't even, want to. I don't want it to be easy for anybody here. So, if reading both. that list, I was bumping my phone. If reading that list made you switch sides, then I say we move on Baker Mayfield. If not, let's move on Mariota. I, I think I think you have to because the only other thing I was going to look at was Heisman vote differential, and it's not that far off. Like that, that's negligible. Mariota had a higher percentage, but again, not by much, right? Yeah. So, who are we moving? I think we got to move on Baker Mayfield himself. That this this one stings. This one stings a lot, but I I think that's kind of where we're at. Let's just let's say it legitimately. Both seasons were incredible, and. Both players were fantastic. Absolutely. It's a real humdinger of a matchup right there. Last one, though. <laughs> we did have a clean sweep all the way in our semifinal. <sighs> now, I will freely admit, I don't know how Troy Smith ended up all the way up here. I'm happy that he did. Troy Smith's my guy. <laughs> like one of the players that I grew up just loving. Love Troy Smith. He he doesn't stand a chance against Barry Sanders. Let's be real. I, I, I understand the story of why he won, but it should have been Brady Quinn. And when you're when you're up against the single best season by a running back, and I'll say it, I think this is the best season by any college football player ever, period dot. It's Barry Sanders. All day, every day, twice on Saturday. 
And I hope, I hope Barry is able to pull out. He's definitely going to get my vote in the final. But why don't we break the final down? You want to take it, Doug? Sure. So the final four in some order will be Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and Barry Sanders. Three very recent quarterbacks, and then Barry freaking Sanders. So the way this has worked in the past is what we'll do. We'll have a poll out there on Twitter, on Instagram, everywhere, and you guys will decide number one. Um, and then we will pick two, three, and four. Do you want to keep doing it that way? I So I will put the four-way poll on Twitter, for sure. That will still happen. That will be your best place to vote. Go to Twitter and vote. You're going to have one of four options. And you, will, you, the listener, you, the fan, will pick the number one Heisman Trophy winner of all time from these four men that we just mentioned. On Instagram, we are doing stories. And you'll find them on Facebook as well. It's a link to our Instagram, so if you follow us on Facebook, you'll be able to see it. I'm going to start the story with my own face, telling you to please only vote on one poll. Because we will have, we can't make a poll with four options on Instagram. I don't know how. If you do, please, please, please contact us. Mailbox at bdtfootball.com. You can DM us on Instagram. You can DM us on Twitter. You can DM us on Facebook. Please, please, please. I will then put up both polls. I will put up, in the order that we've read them off here, Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson and uh, Baker Mayfield versus Barry Sanders. I will then put up a third one and ask you if you voted in both. If you did, I'm going to have to look at the numbers, crunch some math, and see how many of you only voted in one and we'll do we'll do some working some configuring to figure out exactly who won ultimately what's going to happen is you're going to have two winners of two different polls right it's going to come down to a percentage type thing probably and depending on what the twitter final result is that'll factor into it too i'll be completely upfront and honest with you too this Instagram experiment for this final vote might not work, and I will let you know if it didn't. But for right now, we'll, we'll give it a shot. We'll give it a shot. And if it doesn't, then the final four vote going on will only be on Twitter. Uh, but we will be sure to have all the other polls uh, throughout every other bracket we do from here on out. They will be on Instagram and Twitter. Wherever you want to vote, however you want to vote, let us, let us, let us hear what you got to say. Yeah, and your votes certainly make a difference. The one that we had a tie on was the one that took us this long. So <laughs> it certainly does make a big difference. Uh, again, almost everywhere you can think of, you can find us at BDT Football, even BDTFootball.com. The only difference is Instagram. We have an underscore in there, BDT underscore football. Um, mailbox at BDTFootball.com. You want to email us. So all sorts of things, all sorts of places to reach us. All those links will be in the description of this podcast as well. And I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I'm also pretty sure that I'm not. 
So I'm going to hand it over to you. Do you have any parting shots for us, man? Yeah, so I, you know, again, with the move and everything, I do have a Thanksgiving Day game review for the Bears, and I probably, I'm going to try and get it out by the time you're hearing this podcast. I'll try and have it up on the website, bdtfootball.com. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to get one this week. Again, I don't know how much I'll be able to watch. I might write something up as a kind of post-game reflection. You know, Bleacher Report actually has a full play-by-play of what happened. I might read through that and kind of try to surmise at least a little bit of what happened and, uh, you know, go from there. I, I've said if the Bears didn't fire Nagy that I wouldn't watch another game. <sighs> As long as they're on that in the hunt graphic, I don't know that I can in good faith do that. <laughs> the other thing is, too, though, and I, I talk about this a little bit on the tail end of my blog here. So if you're hearing this, you'll see it at the end of the blog as well. Maybe losing out isn't the best thing anymore because you got Justin Fields. You got Darnell Mooney, who's starting to really look like a wide receiver one. You got David Montgomery. You got two young tackles. This is looking like a pretty cush job for any head coach and probably GM looking for a job in the NFL. So I don't know. Maybe they maybe they've done enough to keep me in a perpetual state of being pulled back in. I I gotta rip the band-aid off at some point. I really do. It's a rough place to be, man. <laughs> I do have a have one last question for you before we get out of here, though, Doug. I'm scared. What do you got? How does the moon cut his hair? Um, he clips it. I've, I thought way too hard about that one. So, <laughs> hey, it was kind of topical, too. You know, we had the yeah. clips a couple of weeks ago. Hey, you know, you know. I didn't get to see it, though, because it happened at, like, Three in the end morning, so mm. yeah. I've forgotten, fell asleep. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's gonna do it for our show, folks. Um, I'm not not saying it. You gonna say it? I'll say it. Peace out, girl. <laughs>